0: Christ, have you said at all during these summer months, what a change, what a change. Maybe a loved one came from another country whom you haven't seen for some years and you see how the person has grown and, and looks so different in appearance and you say, wow, how you have changed. Or perhaps you have visited someone even from the congregation and they've done a remodeling job, maybe a new deck or a new kitchen and you say, great job, that's a beautiful change. I hope you enjoy it for lots of time ahead. Or perhaps even with the weather, we've had rainy, cool weather for a while and, and now it's warm and hot, maybe a little too hot, but you say, I, I love this change of weather. Uh, Who of us hasn't experienced changes in life circumstances, maybe at work or with our summer plans, perhaps also with disappointments, hard to take, health changes, difficult to digest and deal with, or relationship changes, not easy, or maybe with farming, farming outlook changes that can be quite upsetting. As I mentioned in my prayer, I I spoke recently with some farmers in southern Alberta, here in your area, who had fields of growing crops looking so good, but then suddenly those crops were flattened and spoiled by that heavy hailstorm that swept across the landscape a while back. And the one farmer told me, in fact, he lost a whole quarter, all 160 acres, and he simply decided to reseed the land, hoping and praying for better success, next time. In our world and culture of today, what changes we are witnessing, isn't it true? And in politics, we are encountering constant changes. I was thinking, too, of the possible changes here in Alberta, in our FRC churches, with maybe three young men called to serve our churches, two of whom we are yet awaiting for their response. What a change it will be should it happen in God's kind providence that all three who are called come here to serve as ministers of the gospel fresh and young. I read in a devotional this morning we live in a world of perpetual change. We can't keep up with it really. But congregation, when reflecting on this all, Do you agree with me? How good to remember then. Whatever changes in life, also in church life, God never changes. How does that one song put it, which I'm sure you've sung before too? Change and decay in all around I see. Oh, thou who changes not, abide with me. This song reflects, doesn't it, what a good thing to rely on the unchanging God in this ever-changing world with ourselves also changing day by day in more ways than we like to admit. Our text for this service brings out to this, this truth beautifully and bountifully how the Lord God, the one only true God of heaven and earth, He never changes. We read it in Malachi 3, verse 6. You might know that verse. Where God says, For I am the Lord. I change not. This is stated as a truth most good and gracious. For the next phrase in Malachi 3, 6 reads, Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. In our text now of James 1, 17, this same positive note is given about God being unchanging, making clear how this is to our benefit in countless ways. We read there, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, no change, neither shadow of turning. Well, let's, let's together think about this some more. To our prophet, under the Holy Spirit's blessing, we pray. The fact that God is immutable, unchanging, always the same, from everlasting to everlasting. Oh, this is such a grand gospel truth to reflect on. Our theme for the sermon is, The Lord with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. This is gospel truth, we'll notice, most essential, wonderful earnest, and helpful. Yes, let's consider first how this is gospel truth most essential. Have you thought about this before? How the fact that God is absolutely and forever unchanging is something very related to Him alone being the one true God. If the God of the Bible is not unchanging but a God who changes just like so much about ourselves and around us in all the world, then He couldn't and wouldn't be God. And He surely wouldn't be a God you could rely on. The fact that God, congregation, is completely and eternally unchanging in all His being and works and will should so help us have confidence in Him alone as the one only true God. Can I help you see this? The Bible says that God is totally perfect. Infinitely so. In all his being and works and ways. Jesus says this about God his Father. That his heavenly Father is perfect. In Matthew 5, 48. And in Psalm 18, verse 30, just for one more example, we read, As for God, his way is perfect. This is our God. From eternity to eternity. And if that is so, it necessarily means he can never and he need never and never does he nor will he change in any way. As the one only true God, he in his essence cannot change in any way because he is infinitely perfect in every way. Therefore the Lord cannot be subject to any change or mutation whatsoever because it is impossible, you understand, for an infinitely perfect supreme God to change for the better or for the worse. Any improvement or deterioration is impossible with God for it would mean and imply imperfection being found with Him which is just not possible with God. And you see, this is what the Bible teaches us in many places. God is perpetually and perfectly always the same in all his attributes and ways. To suggest God changes ever is to discredit God always, not seeing him as the endlessly infinite perfect God from everlasting to everlasting. Well, this is admittedly beyond us to grasp fully. I think you would agree. But, but you understand how this exalts God, doesn't it? As He truly is. And it's both very humbling and most heartening to think on this awesome truth about God. I can tell you, it really helps me to believe in the God of the Bible. The fact that He is endlessly unchanging. And always the same in his essence and character and all his works and ways, including in all his counsel and word and will. The permanence of his being and character and word and will is the definition and explanation and defense for him alone being God. It brings out too, doesn't it, the great difference between himself and all his created universe, including you and me. As mentioned earlier, we live in a world of endless changes. As one put it, creaturehood and mutability, or change, are co-relative terms. But God and immutability are co-relative terms too. And here you see, we can find so much comfort and help. Looking to this God in all our lifetime with so much change, with all our needs and sins and sinfulness. What fickle people we are. But what unchanging God is our God. The unchanging God of salvation is ever mighty and faithful uh, to help us. And always he's true to all his promises. Well, here we need to look closer at James 1. James earlier in the chapter he wrote about how Christians go through trials and tribulations and how we need wisdom from above and strength from God in different situations and how frail we are, how mortal. And he, he wrote about, did the struggles of sin and temptation which we have to deal with daily and how God for sure is never the cause of sin but listen, he's always the savior from sin. Well, that's the context of what James says now in the verses 16 to 18. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begat us, he brought us us forth, he begat us by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits Of his creatures. Notice here in verse 17b, James directs us to the gracious and good God above as the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, no change or shadow of turning. So he, James, by the Holy Spirit inspiration, he's highlighting for us in God's mercy and love that God is so unchanging. In all his being and works and ways with sinners like us. And I myself never really thought of this before, but when James here refers to God as the Father of lights, that refers initially in the immediate context to him being creator and the source of the sun and the moon and all the planets and stars of light in the night sky and in the day sky. Maybe this summer and other times, think of the children and young people in church too, you too have looked up at the dark night sky. Maybe at at Barakai Camp even you did that. And if you have looked up and you kept looking up even for a short time, well, you will know and agree with me. Oh, how changing is the night sky from second to second even. In Alberta here, we sometimes have northern lights And when you see that, that's just so amazing. But you see the constant change. Constant change. And just think of those falling stars or falling spatial matter called meteorites. You know that we see that they they go flashing downwards and, and disappear in darkness. We've all seen them, haven't we? How striking here that James highlights the unchanging God, the Father of Light's, over against this background of the planet worlds and stars and sun in the sky. To say, especially in this particular context, there's no variation or change with Him, neither shadow of turning is like a divinely given genius stroke of the pen, emphasizing all the more our God is truly, infinitely immutable, and change is never in any way. As another put it, quote, God's created lights also reveal Him by contrast. For they are not always in the same place, are they? Nor does their light always shine with the same intensity. And the stars in the heavenly planet world is subject, we know, to lots of variation of all kinds, in all kinds of ways. But the Creator, as the Father of lights, in all this is so unlike his creation. He never changes. He never changes his position. He never alters either the fact or the intensity of his outshining goodness and mercy. Yes, not even in the darkest of times that we may go through. And it's all calling us always to be trusting him as our only Savior and Lord. Well, can you two think with me, other ways that the Bible emphasizes this gospel truth about God being forever unchanging. I mean, isn't this what explains him being referred to in the Bible as the rock? The rock? For example, in Deuteronomy 32.4, where we are told, He is the rock. His work is Perfect. Likewise, in Psalm eighteen thirty-one, we read the psalmist testify in jubilation. And who is a rock except our God? Yes, God is a rock of ages. We sing that sometimes, don't we? And we build our house on the rock, referring to Him and everything about Him. He is the rock that is higher than us. We sang about it from Psalter 159 based on Psalm 61. What a comfort congregation and hope and help that in the midst of the turmoil and changes of life from our conception to our last breath we may look to God praying and saying when I by trouble am distressed then lead me on the rock to rest that higher is than I. Oh, praise God, beloved. The unchanging Lord, overall, will always be true to all His word and will, and all His promises He will fulfill. You know, sometimes, and I'm sure you can identify, in the stresses and changes and storms of life, it may seem to us God has changed. We go through trials. God, where are you? Are you not there? Where are you? Have you changed? But do not err, my beloved brethren. The God of the Bible is always the same and changes never, regardless the darkness and troubles you may go through. I so appreciated what one commentator profoundly said about this too, saying about our immutable, incomprehensible God. Quote, he may will a change, but not change His will. He may will a change, but not change his will. Oh, his great name we know is Jehovah, as explained in Exodus 3, which also seals the matter, where God informs us through Moses, what? That he is the great and the glorious I am that I am. Do you see with me how even in that name, I am that I am, It reveals the fact he changes never. Oh, there was hope and help for Israel with this God, this unchanging Jehovah God coming to their rescue. Well, we must go on, but how important that you and I, all of us here, confess and believe This essential truth about God that He is forever unchanging in His being and decrees and counsel and all His works and ways. Is this now your confession of faith? Each one present here or listening online? Can you be a Christian if you don't hold to this absolute truth about God? For it is revealed in all of Holy Scripture, isn't it? From cover to cover. In Psalm 102 verse 27 the psalmist declares while everything in this created world changes and in this fallen world is subject to much change and decay yet this is the gospel truth about God but thou art the same and thy years will have no end. And you know what dear congregation this is really such wonderful gospel truth let's notice that secondly wonderful beyond words and measure, in fact, as James also teaches in our text, in his context. He brings it out. For what does he say in verse 17? He mentions how every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Verse 17. Coming down, and literally in the Greek, continually coming down from the Father of lights. Just like the rays of the sun. And the two terms, good and perfect gift, refer actually to both God's giving of gifts and the gifts He gives. His giving is always gracious and good and His gifts for us in all our needs are always perfect and complete. He gives as the Father of lights, which here can also rightly be understood and ultimately understood as the God who came to remove all darkness from our lives and to lead us ultimately, yes, in true and everlasting light. James is telling us here, beloved, in our text, God in and through Christ is forever true and reliable as our Savior God. Yes, and He's most gracious and generous in our every need and all our temptations and trials and you name it, in this changing world, we can count on Him being always true to his being, to his word, to his promises. Jesus himself said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Matthew 24, verse 35. Well, isn't this the meaning also in Malachi 3, verse 6, going back to that. When after asserting, I am the Lord, I change not. God says then, as I mentioned, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. While they deserved to be consumed, the Lord was yet showing mercy in his covenant mercy and grace. As the unchanging faithful God. And in this verse God is saying as it were to them. I am the ever reliable Savior God. Never changing in my commitment and provision and promises sinners to save. For all who repent and believe in me and trust and follow me. Yes. This is still true also in 2022. The wonderful gospel truth congregation is because God is unchanging. We can depend on him. And on his gospel promises as infinitely sure and forever trustworthy. He is unchanging also in his judgment against the wicked and the unbelieving. But he's always merciful and full of salvation for those who call on him. Because God is always unchanging, this you and I may know what Jeremiah the prophet said in Lamentations after the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Because of their sins. What does Jeremiah write? Through the Lord's mercies. We are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. For sure dear congregation. Because God is forever unchanging. As the one true God. And the God of salvation. This we may know. What is declared also. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that good news? Do you see with me how James in our text can't glory in God and His immutability without pointing us to Jesus Christ, the Savior, and directing us to Him and His salvation work for hopeless, helpless, guilty, vile sinners as we all are of ourselves. The Father of lights has in the fullness of time as planned from eternity and revealed in the days since Adam and Eve fell about the Savior He would send, Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world and with whom is plenteous redemption time and again for all who trust and follow Him, even, yes, for all who come to Him for His mercy and help. Do you do that? And here, beloved, meditating more on our text, how good to reflect on how amazing, how amazing that God never changes and always stays with His gospel word and promises from the beginning. You know with the worldwide flood in the time of Noah, God almost wiped out all mankind, but He proved unchanging then to, to His gospel promises in sparing, believing Noah and his family in the ark. And God, having those eight people survive the flood of divine judgment, justly poured out on the wicked and ungodly world that lived then and still now today in such ongoing thankless and evil rebellion and revolt. Well, that was clear evidence of God being unchanging. He will come in judgment on the wicked. But he comes in mercy upon those who look to him. It was evidence... Of sparing Noah and his family, of God being unchanging, to be sure to send the Savior one day to save his people from their sins. And the fact that the Lord today doesn't send another worldwide flood, today it proves he is unchanging, isn't he? In his promises, in his gospel word. The whole Old Testament, you could say, really shows God unchanging in His resolve and redemptive plans. In spite of even His covenant people repeatedly living in grossly idolatrous and adulterous and ungodly ways. God is unchanging in judgment on the wicked. But He's unchanging in mercy on those who repent and look to Him. And think with me just now about Jesus as God incarnate come to this earth and behold more with wonder and amazement the unchanging character of God in His being and ways according to His Word. You know, the greatest proof and evidence of God being forever unchanging is when Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, came in the flesh as promised Messiah, Savior, and gave His life as a ransom for many. Behold Him with me in Gethsemane, in such agony of soul, considering the cup of wrath, which he would have to drink as bearer and substitute for sinners, when he asked, even if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. There was no change of mind then, was there, with God? Not even with Jesus. For he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Yes, and that for such undeserving sinners, like the disciples, and like you and me. God remained unchanging. Yes. Also when Jesus gets treacherously betrayed by Judas Iscariot with a kiss, and he gets foolishly, selfishly forsaken by his disciples, and he gets wrongly arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, and then he, he, he's given to endure several mock trials, most unjust. But God did not change. Yes, not even, not even when the soldiers spit in His face repeatedly and hit Jesus in the face and on His head. And when they laughed at Him and ridiculed Him and scorned Him repeatedly and viciously beyond words. But God would not change. He would not change His mind. No, but would he change his mind and way when Pilate most unjustly and cruelly orders Jesus to be torturously scourged on his bare back with a whip, with bone chips, with whipping after whipping, ripping open his tender back most painfully beyond words? No, the Lord is unchanging in his gospel word. And behold, the Savior thus led up to Golgotha. And they're nailed to a wooden cross and left hanging there in the place of a skull crucified between two notorious criminals numbered with the transgressors as indeed as if he were the worst of them all. Oh, see with me Jesus hanging there on the tree made a scoffing, made a curse in the sinner's place and left alone to suffer the equivalent of a hell eternal in body and soul, on behalf of sinners like us. Would God not change His mind? No. We read in Isaiah, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He has put Him to grief and made His soul an offering for sin. What? Will God in heaven and Jesus as God incarnate And God, the Holy Spirit, not as the one only Holy Triune God, change seeing the infinite agony and shame and pain in body and soul that Jesus there suffered? No, dear congregation, with the Father of lights and the light of the world, there's no variation or shadow of turning. Isn't it wonderful and amazing beyond words to tell and express this infinite love and mercy of God for sinners like us in the planning and giving of His Son to seek and to save sinners like us and giving Him up even to the death on the cross. And that when you and I are so undeserving and so often so changing, we say we'll do this and we don't. We're so changing. Still regardless... What all Jesus had to suffer and endure, sinners like us to save, God didn't and wouldn't change his mind. But but did God maybe let up on on let up at all on Jesus? I mean, in his saving work and all that had to be done, and then the suffering he had to endure—was he maybe a bit soft on him? Maybe soft on him too about requiring the absolute perfect obedience that he rightly demands from us for any one of us to be saved. No, no, congregation. God kept to his plan. Jesus had to pay the full punishment for sin. Not his own sin, but our sins, the sins of his people. To the last drop, he had to pay it. Even as he had to fulfill all righteousness on sinners' behalf. To the last detail. Jesus finished that work given him to do. And God we know was most pleased with it as Jesus' resurrection from the dead and his ascension later so dramatically and eternally proves. And now the wonderful gospel truth in all ages for all peoples at all times is to come to Jesus for full and free salvation and it will be freely given to you as you ask. We read thus in Romans 10, The Lord is rich Unto all that call upon Him. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15, a verse you know, I think, this is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, congregation, ever since the fall into sin, the fact that we initially and constantly need Jesus to save us from our sins and sinfulness has never changed. And the truth that Jesus alone is mighty and willing to save to the uttermost, all who call upon him still remains the same too. I ask you, dear congregation, young and old, for whom isn't this wonderful good news? And Who here doesn't need this good news of the gospel time and time again? I know I do. Well, thinking of this all now in terms of God as the Father of lights being always unchanging to all His being and promises and works and ways and to His gospel word, doesn't it make you to glory in Him? I mean, this one only true God in and through Jesus Christ, He is yet giving delightfully and generously to all who call on Him. He gives out of His infinite fullness and He gives priceless gifts of full and free salvation and He'll give strength against all all temptation. He'll give patient endurance in trials and trust in every trial and he'll give the joy of ultimate and eternal victory for all who trust and follow him and he gives his promise he will lead you safely and surely to the eternal home. And as James says in verse 18 he is still working and regenerating well, he's still working with regenerating and renewing power through his gospel word of truth. Yes, even to have spiritually dead and hopeless sinners to be born again and for his people repeatedly to be renewed and refreshed again and again by the gracious, wonderful, good news of the gospel for us both initially and repeatedly. Well, are you and I all listening to the Christian gospel message and truly repenting of our sins and sinfulness and trusting, trusting And following this gospel, are you living in the way of true Christian conversion before this God and our neighbor? Shouldn't that be the case for all of us? Does God not want this to be the case for you? Do you think and say, oh, but where do you find that in the Bible? Rather, the Bible declares, which is God's unchanging, authoritative, revealed will for us, that He does not desire the death of the wicked, but that all come to Him and turn from sin and believe on Him and trust and obey Him as only Savior and Lord. And this is His gracious, unchanging promise to all who come to Him. It's in the bulletin in John 6, verse 37. Those who come to Him, He will by no means cast away that's what Jesus says, all whom the Father has given to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. You see, God is unchanging in his mercy and love, and with him there is still such fullness of salvation. For even the worst of sinners and the most repeated of offenders who comes to him, will you be made whole? Come to him. Come to Him with your sin and misery. Come to Him with your addiction. Come to Him with your trouble. Come to Jesus just as you are, pleading His mercy and His grace and the merits of Him and His once-for-all sacrifice, and you will find Him most gracious and ready to welcome you and to deliver you with His gracious and total deliverance for soul and body for now and forever. As we will sing later on, on the basis of Psalm 103, Changeless is Jehovah's mercy unto those who fear him, meaning unto those who repent and believe in him, from eternity abiding to eternity the same. But what if anyone or more also here among us continues indifferent, hardened, unbelieving against this Father of lights and the cosmic light of the world as revealed in Jesus Christ? in his person and work. Well, in answering that, we come to our third thought about our theme, but with the Lord being unchanging, it's not only most essential truth and most wonderful truth, but listen, it's very earnest truth too, very earnest. It's earnest in this sense, beloved, that none of us can afford to discount and turn away from this gospel truth. Because God is infinitely unchanging. Let no one think he or she can be saved and can go to heaven still apart from faith in Christ and true conversion to Him. No. Jesus Himself told us in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or by me. Now, All too many people don't believe this, that God won't accept us apart from Christ. They don't believe this and they foolishly think when standing before God one day, if they believe that even, that they can get acceptance to heaven because, well, maybe they came from a religious family or they've gone to church a fair bit. Maybe they were even baptized. And they did a lot of good deeds. But listen, no one shall be saved apart from the perfect, sinless life of Christ put to your account by spirit-worked faith in Him. And no one will be saved without the atoning blood of Christ washing away all your sins and sinfulness. Don't deceive yourself in thinking this isn't so. Everyone needs Jesus. And Spirit work, true faith in Him. For without remission of faith, without without remission of sin, through His precious blood, we can't be saved. No, not one. And God won't change in pity for poor you in the last day. When He wouldn't even change in pity for His Son, suffering all He suffered as sin bearer in the sinner's place. You can knock and yell all you want at the heavenly door on the last judgment day. But apart from Christ, in your heart and life here and now, you won't be let in. And in fact, you'll be taken by the angels of God and cast into the bottomless pit of hell under God's just and everlasting condemnation for all your sins and sinfulness in this life. If you debate and dispute this, it means you are denying. God is unchanging in all His Word and will. But maybe some of you say here, I know, Pastor, I, I know. I, I, need to, I need to take this all most seriously. But I'll do so later. I mean, it's harvest time, it's busy. And, and hopefully, even not too long from now, yes, I'll, I'll get that straightened out. But, but not, just not right now. How dangerous is that? To wait for a more convenient season? For no one of us knows when our last breath will be. And suddenly you or I can be snatched away from this life and beyond the day of grace forevermore. How dare you to live a single moment longer still unsaved? And the Bible says so clearly and dearly, today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart through the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, ask to be saved today without any further delay. You know, to be not ready to die, even today, still not joined to Christ in true faith and repentance, is to be living on the brink of eternal hell with just one missed heartbeat away and only one missed breath between you and the eternal abyss. Oh, in the words of Isaiah 55, seek ye the Lord while He may be found and call upon Him while He is near. It's an earnest truth to be taken most seriously by all of us, you and me, that God is forever unchanging. And he that believeth on the Son shall have everlasting life, but he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The Lord planned a certain time of grace for us, and what a fool when anyone won't make the most of that time of grace, for none of us knows when he has willed, it shall be forever over. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says now, through his word. And saying that brings me yet also to our last thought. Namely how helpful. How helpful is this gospel truth about the unchanging God. And how with the Lord there's no variation or shadow of turning. Let me just mention three ways. How the fact that, that God's unchanging is so very helpful. For us individually and as church too. That God is forever unchanging. Isn't that helpful for us in, in calling and guiding us Always always to stay by and with, with the Word, the Word of God. The gospel message doesn't change over the centuries for the different cultures and peoples and times of this world. For all time, there's only one gospel for lost sinners and God's redeemed people. And that gospel is told us in the Bible. Inspired, holy word of God. God's written word. And it's shown to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The word made flesh. Let's remember for ourselves and and exhort one another, beloved. Therefore, always to stay and to stick with the one and only true gospel of the Bible. You know, sometimes people say with changing times and changing leaders and changing circumstances that we need a changing gospel for ourselves and a changing worship for our churches. But it is not so, beloved. We need the same gospel, the same old gospel of Jesus Christ, the Savior who is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Let us by all means not fall for false teachings and worldly practices, which are so much the rage in our day when people turn from the faith of our fathers and the apostolic teaching and want something new and different And won't hold to the truth as also faithfully summarized in our Reformation confessions. If we will be faithful to the last day concerning the unchanging gospel message of our unchanging triune God, then won't we pray and work and encourage each other to be ever God-centered, word-based, Christ-focused, Spirit-filled and Spirit-directed in all our confession and conduct of life. Is this your conviction and persuasion to looking ahead as long as Christ tarries? Yes, of course. Of course, we should say this. In every generation, the preaching and teaching of God's words must be brought in a, in a fresh and in a renewed and in a contemporary way. We are not living in the 17th century. We are to be men of our times and understanding of our times. But that's not the same as in making things in a self-made, worldly and corrupted, compromising way. No, no. If God in His grace and loving kindness should give us, congregation, uh, give us as Alberta FRC churches and congregations and as Federation of Churches three new young men which we really pray for that He will grant as we fervently pray, then our focus needs to be to hold on without any compromise to the changeless gospel truths of our unchanging, ever faithful, triune, covenant-keeping God, the God of our salvation, doesn't our text serve helpfully so to guide and guard us, beloved? And let it be helpful to our text to have us minister with hope in our homes and in churches, in our churches, and, and in our lost and confused world with the one and only gospel message. About the all sufficient, almighty, unchanging Savior. Verse 18 is such an encouragement how God, the Holy Spirit, still works throughout the ages by the word of truth, renewing, saving, and sanctifying sinners that we might be a first, kind of first fruits of His creatures. What an encouragement to also new gospel ministers that God is unchanging in this commitment that through the foolishness of preaching to save sinners and to build up His people until the last day. And therefore, let's bring both ourselves and our children diligently and expectantly under the Word in our homes with family worship and in Christian living and then in our churches as they grow up and in the schools where possible. Never are we healthy Christians when neglecting the worship services where God in His sovereign grace is most pleased to minister to us and in us and in our children in His sovereign grace did we not promise that we would do our utmost to raise them thus in the fear of the Lord? Let's Let's also be encouraged where and when we can to invite others from the world around us to church, to come under the ministry of the word, and also to speak a gospel word in season as the opportunities are given us. Countless are the true stories. I heard many this summer also of people being saved when others gently, lovingly, introduced and brought them under the gospel truth of God's holy word. Reverend Niels told a beautiful story of George Sanowski at camp. Ask the young people if you want to know that story. It's such an encouraging story. Who knows, congregation? whom all the unchanging God might yet bring to full and free salvation under the Spirit-blessed, unchanging ministry and penetrating power of His Gospel Word by His Holy Spirit. You see, no case is hopeless with the Lord God of the Bible who still out sinners to seek and to save plead with the unchanging God of mercy and covenant faithfulness. Also then for loved ones who presently still may be so resistant and rebellious against the gospel. And even let our especially dark times of late motivate us all the more to hold forth the gospel to others and diligently to be missionary-minded and sincerely evangelical towards those around us. And let's pray and work that we never live or conduct ourselves in any way that hinders the gospel cause instead of that helps it. Well, for this all, you agree what reasons to pray daily. Change and decay in all around I see, also in me. But thou, O Lord, who changes not, abide with me. It's also thinking of this third way. It's so helpful to remember God is ever unchanging. And that is, it's so helpful for hearty worship and praise to the Lord. I mean, doesn't this fact alone make the Lord so endlessly praiseworthy and to be exalted above all others and all else? Can we not be so assured and reassured of all His gospel promises and all the riches of His salvation for soul and body, for now and forever, knowing and trusting that the one true God forever is unchanging? in all His being, and in His blessings for His people. Yes, indeed, for God's people, isn't it the case? We may have so much comfort, beloved, and confidence for the future, knowing God is the gracious, giving, good-doing Father of lights, with whom is no variation, neither shadow of turning. What reason to shout for joy and to have hope eternal? even in the midst of the fiercest storms and trials, for the Lord will not fail in His gospel promises and in His help for all who trust and follow Him. He cannot and He will not for His own name's sake, but be always true to all His word as the great I am that I am, the forever unchanging God in all generations. Oh, come, therefore, let us adore Him, O come, let us adore him, the one true God of salvation who changes never. What a rock. Well, will you and I each one this week so glory in the Lord God by his grace and spirit with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Will you speak about it with each other and at home even, maybe with others too in society, relating this gospel truth about God, most essential, wonderful, earnest and helpful. Even so, may God by His Spirit prosper His word now and to the unchanging God be all the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this is so great a truth, more than we can grasp. But the little that we may grasp it is so rich by itself. And may we find it rich. May we find it encouraging. May may it lead us to exalt you above all and to praise your name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. What reasons to do so, even considering that you are so unchanging. We change so much, Lord. But you are the rock of ages. Ever reliable. Oh, help us all to find our refuge with you. Let none here, oh Lord, not come to you while it's yet the day of grace. Please bless the word further by your Holy Spirit. Do what we cannot do. Let it lead to true conversion. Let it lead to increase in faith and faithfulness. Lord, we want to pray yet for traveling mercies. As we think of the Slimer's going to Ontario for a wedding of Josh and Henny. Bless that day. Grant traveling mercies for all who go and make it special time. Lord, we pray as many are traveling in these summer months, protect all of us, guide us and keep us. We pray for those mourning loss of loved ones. We pray for those recently married. We pray for all of us in all our circumstances, in all our changing circumstances. May we all find our refuge and our comfort in the unchanging God in whose name we pray. Amen.